We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. We're going to talk about the doctrine of eternal security. The doctrine of eternal security. Genesis chapter 3 verse 4 says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Ye shall not surely die. The doctrine of eternal security, most of us know it as once saved, always saved, has been debated in the Christian realm for years and years between different groups, different denominations, different, even in some churches, some yes, some no. That you know, that's that's at the heart of Calvinism is the belief that once a person is saved, they can never lose their salvation. So let me stop here, right here, and first say that that's absolutely correct. Once a person saved, they can never lose their salvation, because when we get on the other side and we're saved, you're never going to lose it. You're there for eternity. But we're going to talk about you know, the the doctrine of eternal security. Once saved, always saved is, is is was born out of the Calvinistic movement, and there's 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 just some things we want to talk about. Some scripture. Uh, the key word that you find that we want to talk about first is the word saved. The word saved. Now, sodizio. It means to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, make whole. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, and make whole that which was lost. In the context that most Christians have, when we say Jesus said, I came to, to seek and to save, is that he came to transform us into Christians via the cross, via our faith. That, that's when you think the word saved in Christianity means that, that I now have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The word Jesus used was, he said, I came to deliver that which was lost. I came to protect that which was lost. I came to preserve that which was lost. I came to make whole. How many times do you see what Jesus said, be thou made whole? Be thou made whole is the same Greek word, saved. Calvinists tie this word saved to the phrase eternal life and everlasting life. The, the, the word saved wasn't used in the context in Christianity that it was uh, 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 until the Calvinistic movement took a halt and they tied the word saved to everlasting life or eternal life. And so what they did was they tied a word that was not even conducive to that it wasn't even relative to those two terms, but they tied it together to make a doctrine. And their doctrine was eternal, eternal salvation, everlasting salvation. Uh, the Greek word for eternal, aeonas, it means perpetual, forever, everlasting. That makes sense, right? Did I, miss, did I just lose everybody? Y'all looking at me like, what you talking about? I'm, I'm guessing most of you don't believe in the doctrine of eternal. Okay, let's keep going. The Greek word for everlasting is the same word. Eonis. It's the same word. When you see everlasting and you see eternal in Scripture, they're the same Greek word. So the word saved used in its proper context is a future tense verb, something that will happen in the future. 
So when you go back to the origin, the word save or saved is a future tense verb. It's something that's going to happen. It hasn't taken place yet. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, he told Nicodemus that he must be born again. You remember that? John chapter 3. The term Calvinist used for save as well. Calvinists take saved and born again and interchange them. And you can't interchange saved and born again. It's not possible. They don't even coexist. And let's, let's look at why. In or, Jesus told Nicodemus, in order for him to inherit or in order for him to enter into the kingdom, you're born again to enter into the kingdom. A lot of people in the Calvinistic type think, and I'm, you know, I know this goes out, so you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but the group that I came from was that you know, they used saved more than born again, but they interchanged them, saying that once you were born again, you were saved. They tied them together. Let's keep going. So in order to get into the kingdom, you have to be born again. Jesus didn't say anything about heaven here. He made no, no, no reference to eternal life, eternal. It's the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Paul says that in, in Romans chapter 14, verse 7. Understanding that Romans is the, the letter Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He wasn't writing to sinners. He was writing to the church. And so he was talking about the kingdom, what the kingdom of God is. Jesus said in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. So if you, if you take the Calvinistic point of view that you're born again or saved to be going to heaven, then they're saying that heaven and the kingdom of God are the same thing. When heaven and kingdom of God are the kingdom, heaven's not in you. Now, peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Ghost should be. So, so you see now the conflict that goes on here already? So let's keep going. The kingdom of God is not heaven, as Calvinists would say, but the kingdom of God is currently in the body of Jesus Christ. That's, that's, we're born again into the body of Christ, but being born again does not put you in heaven. And this is the division that came about in the Calvinistic movement. That they've said, no, 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 when you're born again, that, that you're automatically, you're in heaven, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you were, here's, here's what my, my parents were Calvinistic. Uh, 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 <clears throat> my dad said to me one time, well, if, if you could be lost and saved, and that happened over and over and again, God would wear out a piece of paper with, a, with a, an eraser, erasing your name out and writing it back in, erasing your name out and writing it back in. You know, there, there's a, I, I can laugh about it because you, you think about it. The, the fertility of that thought process, you know, God has a book with a pencil with an eraser, and he's writing and erasing. That, so when you read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, here's the implication uh, that you read of Satan. He told Eve that you, will not, you can eat of that tree. You can disobey God, and you're not going to die. Surely you're not going to die. What he was telling her was this was that you can be disobedient to God and there be no divine consequence. That's what he's saying. And we know the Scripture doesn't teach that. And that's what the once saved, always saved also tells you, that, that once you're saved, if you're always saved, then you can be in disobedience to God with no divine consequence. When saved separates, or sin separates, sin and disobedience to God brings a vacuum in your life. All kinds of things. But let's keep going. 
Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans, the book of Romans. We're going to jump through several scriptures here. Romans chapter 8. Let's read verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a tremendous, tremendous encouraging set of verses, isn't it? Nothing can separate us. This is the main focus of eternal uh, salvation, that doctrine. This is the main focus and main scripture that Calvinists use. See, nothing can separate you once you're saved. But let's look at this scripture because this scripture is not talking about being saved at all. It has no reference to salvation, no reference to being born again, nothing. What is the reference in this scripture? The love of God. No. It's not talking about unconditional eternal salvation in these scriptures at all. It's talking about unconditional eternal love of God. And that's a whole different... Paul's not talking about salvation at all here, but yet this is the, uh, the big basis of the doctrine of eternal security. You'll notice in here that in all that can't separate me from the love of God, sin's not mentioned here. Mm-hmm. All this, But sin is not mentioned here. It's important to understand that. This is best said. No one, listen, no one can force you to separate yourself from God except you. And that's what Paul is saying here. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. And I know Bishop sees this a little different way. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can separate my love of God from me, but I, I see it a different way. Anyway, God's eternal love existed in, in and for you before you ever knew him. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So, this, this love that he's talking about here, this, th- these scriptures are the basis of God's love. They have nothing to do with eternal salvation at all. And yet they're, they use these in the Calvinistic movement quite frequently. So let's take it a wor- look at these words, eternal and everlasting, because they're both the same Greek word. They mean perpetual or forever. So, so let's, let's look at the, the doctrine of eternal security, eternal salvation. We believe in eternal salvation, right? I mean, so, but, but the doctrine of eternal security, that once saved, always saved. Let's look at this. So if he, <clears throat> let, me, let me back up. The Calvinist will say, well, once you're born again or saved, you're now in eternal life. And so since it's eternal, it can never be taken away. Does that, does that everybody follow that? I'm not trying to be, but since he, because there's, there's something to understand here. When you're born into this world, you become a living soul. When Adam was created, he became. So when you're born, you become a living soul. Is your living soul eternal? Scripture says every soul is an eternal soul. It will spend eternity somewhere. So you're born, your soul is, you're born with a soul that's eternal already. All right, so when, when you grow and become sinful, 
you now have an eternal soul that's sinful, and the Scripture says that eternal soul that's sinful is dead. Right? So it's an eternal, sinful soul that's dead eternally. So if it's dead eternally, how could you ever be saved? If eternal, if the word eternal means planted or, or it's, it's, it's concreted, if, if it's eternal, it can never be changed, unchangeable, because that's what the Calvinistic movement used the term eternal to say it's unchangeable. Once you're saved, being, you can't be unsaved, that it's unchangeable. But the word eternal doesn't mean unchangeable. If it did, we were, we were, we were eternally dead to begin with. That means we're unchangeable. We can't be saved. So eternal doesn't mean unchangeable. It means perpetual. Just stay with me. Because of our sin nature, we're dead to Christ. We're spiritually dead. Our soul's eternal. It's dead. It's, it's, but it's, if, if it's eternally dead, that means it's dead forever, right? If, he's, if eternal is unchangeable. Okay. We understand that that's, eternal doesn't mean that, though. Calvinists will say that when you're saved, eternal, eternal means that it's forever. It can't be changed. So how can one be eternally lost? Because if you're lost before you're saved and you're an eternal soul that's lost eternally, how can you be eternally lost then become eternally saved? That doesn't even make sense. If, if, if eternal means unchangeable. Okay, everybody so far? No? Yes, but stick your hand up. If you're... Okay. I think we can see through Scripture that we live in the kingdom of God. The, the Scripture is very adamant that we are, we are living in the kingdom of God, the church age, as Christians, and that we obtain eternal life through our life in the kingdom of God. When you read the writings of Paul, you obtain eternal life as you go through your work through the kingdom. You don't work for your salvation. But we're going to look at some Scripture that shows us that we gain eternal life through when we go through the process of being what a Christian is. You can't stop being a Christian three-quarters of the way and have eternal life. Paul said you can't. You can't do it. You've got to go to the end. Keep going. See, <clears throat> Again, not a, it's, it's not a salvation of works. Our, our, our work that we do as Christians is, is grace and obedience. Grace and obedience. Our work... Right. It doesn't save you, but and, and so they're saying, "Well, that's works." He's trying to get yourself saved. So, I, yeah, that's that's my thing. Is, is that what the way I see yeah. that is that people get their works, the difference between works and obedience. And that came from the Calvinistic movement as well, because any work doesn't save you. By grace, you're saved, not of works. And that and that works there is talking about anything that you could do to be righteous enough to be saved. It's not talking about the things that you do after you become a Christian. Because prayer is a work. Fast is a work. Baptism is a work. Repentance is a work. It's all a work. Is mainstream religion Calvinistic? Uh, believe it or not, Catholics aren't. Well, they don't say I'm a Calvinist, but 
but you, when you look at their doctrine. First, you then have to, you have to go back and find out what does that mean to be Calvinistic. And so you have to look at John Calvin's writing and what he... So there's a mainline denomination that's big in the United States, and they've got Southern, they've got Northern, they've got free will, free will all that. Okay, they're very Calvinistic. Yeah, but, but uh, when you get into the Catholic doctrine, they're not. Right. Right. That's why they're not Calvinistic. They're into they're into staunch works. Right. Well, yeah, none of them are. But they don't know that. No, none of them are. Nobody's saved till we get to the other side. I'm gonna show you here in scripture. You gotta you gotta go through purgatory and pay a lot of money and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you got unless you got a few bucks. You can Okay, so understand that. That the the works that we do in the kingdom of obedience, continually following the word of the Lord. If you don't continue in your works, you will not be saved, Paul said. If you don't continue in your works, you will not be saved. Not that you're not saved right now. Works doesn't save you right now. But if you don't continue in your works, you won't be saved. You can't stop in the middle of your Christianity and be saved at the end. We're going to see some scriptures here, very, very telling. But there's two words we want to look at really close here uh, before we get into the, to, to some scripture. And there's two words that uh, are misused, actually, in Christianity. But uh, the two words are reprobate and apostasy. Reprobate and apostasy. Because there are those who fear because they became a reprobate, they can't be saved. There are those who fear that when they backslide, they can't be saved. Have you ever backslidden? Everybody shake your head. Sure. We all have. If you're not going forward in God, you're going back. There is no middle. We, we, we have to get real with ourselves. Can you just stand still a minute? Can't, if you, well, you can, but you, you know what you're doing? You're going backwards as you're standing still. There is, no, there is no standstill. There is no, it's hot or cold, Jesus said. There's no middle. No resting. Yeah. The Greek word for reprobate, atacomus, it means unapproved, rejected, or cast away. Reprobate, unapproved, rejected, cast away. Romans 1 and 28. We like to read Romans, and we take out that part that talks about uh, men with men and women with women, and we like to use that. Romans chapter 1 is, this is proof that homosexuality is wrong, and, and it is, but you've got to read the whole chapter because there's a lot more in there about us as heterosexuals than there is of those of homosexuals. There's a lot more about us as heterosexuals than there is of those of homosexuals in Romans 1. It's a lot. So, but Romans, Paul's, again, what is the book of Romans? Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Okay, so he's not writing to sinners. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to the church. And he says in verse 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. What does the word reprobate mean? Unapproved, rejected, cast away. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The word convenient in the Greek means becoming. So the word convenient doesn't mean when it's good time for it when it's not it means becoming in other words when god set things into place it's becoming for men to be with women and women to be with men it's not becoming for men to be with men that's not how god set it up it's not becoming you ever heard somebody say well that's not very becoming when you said something you shouldn't have said 
That's not very becoming of a Christian to say something like that. Do you understand what becoming is? Okay, so that, that's what that word means, convenient. So to become reprobate simply means you're flipped, you're upside down. That, that, you're the opposite direction of what you're supposed to be. That's what reprobate actually is. Now, <clears throat> you can be reprobate and still be saved. You have to come out of your reprobation. It's called repentance. A, a part, who here believes that somebody that's a homosexual can be saved? Absolutely. But they have to flip that. They have to, when God touches their life, they have to flip that and get back into the place and the direction God put it in to begin with. The law of first things go all the way back. And wherever God set it up first, you can carry it all the way through Scripture. It stays the same all the way through. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. It's been that way the whole time. So, And adulterers can be saved too if they stop committing adultery. Correct. Or fornicators. Those outside. Uh, yeah, and anybody that's reprobate or upside down can be saved. If, yeah, so we the term we've got to get reused to is being in the kingdom or being born again. I'm not trying to reestablish your Christianity, but I want you to understand some things that in in common Christianity in America, when you say saved. Man, you've got a litany, a litany of idealisms. When you say born again, it starts narrowing itself down because was, you don't hear that term very much. I was reading somebody's post on Facebook, which I don't go on Facebook very often because it's just a total, almost like a waste of time, almost sinful, you know, I think. But if y'all do it, well, that's fine, you know. That's not my business. But somebody was saying on Facebook, some kid from Oklahoma, some guy from Oklahoma up there where I'm from, was saying that he didn't like for people to judge other people because of their preference of who they wanted to sleep with. And I didn't respond to anything, but I'm thinking, you know, it ain't my business, excuse me, it's not my business what you do, but it is my business to tell you what the Word says. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to judge you. The Correct. word will judge you. Right. We don't judge a per any per person. But we get accused a lot of judging people right. when we just tell them the truth of what right. God's word says. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Yeah. That's why. And that's why Jesus said that, that he he was came, he came to bring division, and we there, there's a division is goes across the board, and you're going to have division with friendships. You're going to have division in cultures. You're going to have division because truth will cause division. It, it's going to make you uncomfortable. And listen, if you're in church very long and you're not uncomfortable, you need to come see me because I am not preaching. If you preach the Word, it should make you uncomfortable at times because we still are in this flesh deal that we're battling to overcome. And I'll show you, if you think you've overcome your flesh, you're, you're sorely mistaken. Don't think because you're, you come become a Christian, you, you've, you, I'll show you what Paul said about that. Be very careful because you're making a mistake. So let's, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Now, this is Paul writing to 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians. So what is 1 Corinthians? Letter to the church. Now, go get tired of hearing me saying this, but this has got to be ingrained. These are letters to the church. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to saints. So now he, here's, he's talking to the saints in Corinth, and he says this, but I, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest by any means, when I have preached to others... I myself become a castaway. Now, what did re reprobate mean? 
Okay, thank you. Because it's the same word. When he said cast away here, it's the same word in the Greek for reprobate. He said, I have to keep myself, my body, all this under subjection. Otherwise, I'm preaching to everybody else, and I become a reprobate. Now, if, if it's one saved, always saved. Okay, let's get a little deeper. Now, apostasy, that's reprobate. Reprobate, you can, you can be turned around. Apostasy is a different matter altogether. The Greek word apostasia, it means defection, departure, revolt, rebellion, fall away. Does that sound familiar? Remember in our study, remember in our, in our end time study? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Paul's letter to whom at Thessalonica? The church. Let no man, church, let no man deceive you, church, by any means, church, for that day shall not come, church, except there come a falling, an apostasy. An apostasy is it a falling away. Now, what was the definition of apostasy? I mean, uh, yeah, apostasy. What was the definition? Defection. So how do you defect from the army? You got to be in the army first. How do you defect from a country? You got to be in the country first. There's no way to defect from something if you're not in it. That's not possible. Apostasy, departure, revolt, rebellion, falling away. First, and that that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Apostasy is being part of the kingdom, and then it's defecting from the kingdom. Apostasy is being part of the kingdom, and it's rebelling against the kingdom. Apostasy is being part of the kingdom, and it's revolting against the kingdom. That's what and, and when you go into apostasy, you cannot ever recover. Heresy is a defection of word, which, yes, that's why heretics, that's why heretics in the early ages of the church were burned. They burned them because they, they, you know, we're going to give you your hell now. That was their, that was a premise behind it. They were usually the ones with truth that got, yeah, the the heretics were burning the ones with truth. truth. Okay, in Paul's letter to to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, holding faith and a good conscience, holding faith and a good conscience, does that sound like a sinner? That sounds like somebody, okay, which some have put away. So they had the faith. And they had the conscience, and they put it away. They defected. Concerning faith have made shipwreck. The word shipwreck, agua, means stranded. They were made shipwreck of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander. He even names who they are. These two guys that were with me, Paul's writing to Timothy, said, these two dudes that were with me, they were preaching the gospel with me, they were in service with me. All of a sudden, they got away from faith and good conscience. They, they've departed from it. And now I've delivered them unto Satan. They, they won't learn to blaspheme. You find later on in Scripture, Paul is writing, and he says, Alexander the coppersmith, this Alexander, hath done me much harm. The Lord reward him according to his works. And he gets pretty straightforward with it. I understand that your eternal salvation is conditional to your current faith. Your eternal salvation is conditional to your current faith. Colossians chapter 1. Y'all turn with me. 
Yeah. Hymenius and yeah, yeah. Hymenius and Alexander had turncoat. They they had, they had gone they had gone the other way. They became shipwrecked. When you look at shipwrecked, look up shipwrecked in the Greek. Stranded. Colossians chapter one. Let's look at verses 21 through 23. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath been reconciled in the body of this flesh through death to present your holy and unblameable and revocable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. You can't just have faith. you got to continue in the faith. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard. Now, this is the letter of Paul to the church in Colossia. These aren't lost people. These are church people. And he's saying you've got to continue in your faith, be grounded and, and, and settled. Uh, you can't move away from hope, which you have heard, and which were preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. 1 Corinthians 15 and 2. I'm just going to run through some scripture here. These are all scriptures that give you the understanding that the possibility of being in the kingdom and then being not in the kingdom exists. The possibility of being born again and then being not born again exists. That possibility exists. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. There's what 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 is the now what 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 do we say? This is conditional to your current faith. Your current faith is the thing that continues you through your salvation experience. Salvation is not a one-time pop, it's an experience. It's not a one-time I did this on this certain day and uh, you know I accepted the Lord over here or I was baptized that day or I did this that day and so now I'm you know forever and eternal. There's no biblical basis for this. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I know I'm bouncing around. Second Timothy chapter 2. Let's read verses 11 through 13. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. <clears throat> now, who is he talking to here? This is a second letter to Timothy was a young pastor. So he's not talking to the sinner here. He's talking to the pastor. It's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Do you get that? If we believe not, who's he talking to? The pastor. Yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. That Does that, yes, no? What does that mean? He can't deny himself as truth. Even if we're not faithful, even if we decide not to believe, 
The Lord cannot change who He is or what He is, regardless of our status. Why, why, does that, why would you even put something like that? Because they had the same problems that we have today. Same problems. We will change the aspects of the gospel in order to make it fit us, make us feel good, make us think we're okay. But Jesus said, I can't do that. I'm going to remain the same truth regardless of what you do. I'm, re- I'm the same truth. If you decide to walk away from the truth, can you walk away from the truth? Hebrews chapter 3. I should have marked all of these. Hebrews chapter 3, look at verse 6. But Christ as son over his own house, whose houses are we, if we hold Christ as son over his own house, whose houses are we. So he is, we are the house and he's over us so far, okay? We are, we are his house if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm and, and to the end. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We are, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? So he is the son over the house, and we are the house. We are the house if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. you got to hold on to it to the end. You can't hold on to it to the middle. You can't hold on to it three-quarters of the way. You're only going to make it if you hold on to the end. You've got to endure to the end. Well, let's keep going. You, and your eventual salvation is conditional to you protecting your faith here. To, to protecting your faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I know some of you this is old hat because you never have believed it. Not the word, but... I mean, you, The, the thing about it is, when you start bringing the word out, that word will defend itself. All, I missed it. What? Bruce is laughing. What did you say, Bruce? You're laughing. You said something. All right. It's good enough that Jesse laughed. First Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. What's he saying? Be careful. Yeah, be careful because you can fall. Yeah, but I'm saved, so I don't worry about falling. God is faithful. Yep. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. You don't have to fall. Thank God for Jesus. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 13. Verse 5. Somebody read that out loud. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourself. Stop. What's the purpose of examining yourself? Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Examine yourself. Stop. Who's he talking to here? The church in Corinth. All right, I won't interrupt you again, Jason. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. That word disqualified is a reprobate. Examine yourself. Why would you need to examine yourself? If I'm saved, once saved, always saved, I don't have to do any of this. I'm done. I don't have to examine myself. I don't have to look at myself. I don't have to worry about myself. I don't have to be concerned with the sin in my life. Because now I'm going to tell you this in the group that I came from. Their belief is that when you were born into the world, not born again, God already had you lost or saved. Predestination. God already had you lost or saved. And so if you were lost, too bad. If you were saved, happy for you. Cap. Right. Predestination is a whole. Calvinism has a strange halt on a lot of the larger denominations that are in Christianity. And, and there's a danger. There's a, can you see there's not an ultimate danger here? Second John. I'm about done, y'all. Second John. What chapter? See if, see if anybody gets that. Second John. Verses 8 and 9. Look at, to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that were received a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth, transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the... That doesn't mean he wasn't saved. See, there's another... See, this is the one that my parents... Well, he never was really saved. Whosoever transgresseth and abide not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both God, the Father and the Son. And, and if there come into you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither abide in him Godspeed. There, there's a deal. Well, have you ever, have ever told you that? Well, they never were really saved. So how do you know when you're really saved or not? Yeah, well, but, but something could happen in your life, and you could really fall back. Oh, well, you, the preacher was lying. Yeah, well, that, that, that's a lying thing. You, you see the fallacy in that? They never were really saved. You know what? Here's, here's the correct answer to that. They are correct. They never were really saved. None of us are. The misnomer of that word and the misuse of that word has, has Judy, I see you, has a, uh, has a bearing in Christianity that's terrible. Okay, Judy, I'm sorry. Yeah, you got it? Read it. Yeah, you got to be on the deal. Okay, it says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance. Because of their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Isn't that what you've been saying? Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. It's coming up. Yeah, so I don't have to read that one now. Oh, okay. That's no, that's perfect. Okay. 
It's a, it's, that's not saying it's impossible to be saved and then lose your salvation. And that's the scripture they will use as well because they don't read the whole scripture. It's impossible. Man, that, that is very, there's some very strong words about us becoming Christians and then becoming apostasy, apostasy in our life, becoming that, that, that way of turning away. Because when, when apostasy comes into your life, when you turn away, when you've tasted of the Holy Ghost and you've tasted the gifts of God, if you turn away, if you fall away, if you turn, in a, it's, it's impossible. And those are the ones that God will say, I never knew you. Right. People that did great works, they cast out devils, they healed the sick, they did all that. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. Can I ask a question? Um, and this is, you know, for the sake of the recording, in case anybody hears. How do you, or how does a person recognize, or how does somebody in the body recognize somebody that's not of a reprobate mind, but is of apostasy? Because... Well, they, if, they're, if they're for of apostasy, you, you won't see them in here. Reprobate, you might. They, they may be coming just because they're coming with their wife or husband or mom or dad. Or, but but, but uh, somebody that's in apostasy, they have rebelled. They have, they're now against you. They're, they're not, that's why Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith has done me much harm. He didn't just leave the ministry. He starts messing with Paul. He starts doing evil things to Paul. Talking against him yeah. in other locations. Right. It doesn't happen overnight. It, it's always been my understanding that you have to work on yeah. apostasy. Like it can't, it's not just something you slip and do. You have to Correct. intentionally. It's the unforgivable sin. Uh, well, blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Saying that thing that God does is of the devil. And that's what happens to people who become apostate. They once were partakers of, and now they turn around and say, that's, that's bunk. That's that's not right. That's false. That's they have committed the unpardonable sin. That's why you cannot come back from being an apostate. So, in the Muslim religion, right? Don't isn't there verbiage that if they become Christians, they become apostates? Apostates, yeah. And that, that's why why they kill them. They kill them, yeah, because they, there's no hope. Right, no hope. Yeah, there's no hope. That that's why you know it's just because, it's not because they hate Christianity. They don't they they hate every religion. They kill Christians because there's no hope. If you're if you're a Muslim and you become a Christian, there's no hope for you. You're bound for hell, for as far as I'm concerned. They kill you, get you out of your misery. So, 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 Jason, <clears throat> your question. I would think that the only way you could tell would be by the fruits of the spirit, mm-hmm. right? That would be the only way you could tell. Somebody that's reprobate or upside down, they're doing things opposite of the way they're supposed to be. That's what a reprobate does. I'm trying to figure out how to formulate the question. Um, because we've covered also backsliding. So now backsliding is the same as a reprobate mind, or is there a significant difference? No, there's a, there's a difference because okay. back, backsliding, you know, we in the apostolic church, we've made backsliding the unpardonable sin. But, but backsliding is simply you, we're going forward in God and we hesitate, we stop, we, 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 you know, we take a break. Okay, I've been living for God for 40 years, I'm going to take a break. You're now backsliding. 
Or, you know, I, 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 I pray every morning, and so on Wednesday I just decide not to pray, that's backsliding. That, that doesn't mean it's unpardonable. It just means you slid back from what, the progressions you were doing. And so we all backslide more than we realize. So then if you're, if you're in that backsliding state, and let's say it's the three-quarter of the way, if something happens, now are you in a position where you didn't finish your race? Here's what happens with backsliding. If you continue, if you continue in backsliding, that leads you to being a reprobate. If you continue in being a reprobate, it leads you into apostasy. It's, it's, not, it's just what you said. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual thing that you just get away, and you get a little further away, and the further away you get, the, the further away I get from here, the less I can really make out uh, you know, who's in the corner, and the less I can make out, and the further, pretty soon I just see there's a body over there, and the further away, you know, there's really not anybody over there, I don't think. It's just get further and further away from God. You separate yourself, and then once you're separated from the herd, then that's when yeah. everything else surrounds you. But when you become apostate is when you actually become a warrior for Satan. You are against the church. You're against Jesus Christ. You're against everything. You are actively working against. It's not a state of mind. It's a lifestyle. Well, there's a huge discrepancy in the body of Christ on one side. Yeah. Yeah. Always saved. Yeah. They don't understand. Right. There's scripture after scripture after scripture that shows us. Can I give you a parable? You know, if you don't believe Paul, if Paul was off, some... They hit him one too many times in the head, whatever. Let's get the parable. The prodigal son. Now, here's what people will say. He was a son. He would always be a son. That's, that's one saved, always saved, right? All right. So let's look at what the Scripture says about that. When you read the story of the prodigal, he's in the father's house. He decides to take the inheritance, and he goes out and squanders everything, and he comes back. He was never not a son. Is that true or not? Verse 32. Jesus said this, not Don. He's, the father is now speaking to the brother that was a little upset, but got right. His heart was just as bad as prodigal brother, so he's had to get right too. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead. And is alive again. He was lost. So when he left with his inheritance, he was no longer a son. He was lost. If you're lost, you're not a son of God. He was lost. He's found. He was lost. When he left the father's house to do his own thing, he was no longer. And this goes back to original Hebrew culture. Right. He knew coming back, he couldn't be a son. He was not a son. I'll just be a servant. But the father said, no, no, I I love you. He loved him so much, he knew that because the boy was lost and he was coming back and had done what he had done to the father, that the the elders of the city had the right to stone him to death before he ever entered the city. And so what did the father do? He ran out and he he stop 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 stop. I'm taking this is my son. He's back. He once was lost. He's he's back again. Mm-hmm. 
Likewise, if you if you fail financially three times, you are dead to the Jewish culture. You're not a Jew. They have a lot of a lot about being not being part of the deal. So you are no longer mentioned in the family. Correct. So you understand the parable. That he was a son. He was lost and found. He was dead and he's made alive again. Let's look at another parable and I'll be finished because we're I'm, I'm I'm over 15 minutes. The parable of the virgins. There were ten virgins, right? Those were that virgins are those are unmarried women. That okay. There were parable. So there was five wise and five foolish, right? They were all virgins. Go ahead. That's the Jewish culture. If, if, if I was a Jewish man and I had a son, I could disband him and make him not part. But if I had, adopt, had adopted a son, I can never disown him. But that adopted son can leave. The, adopted, the father's never going to disown you, but you can walk away. And that's what Paul's been saying over and over and over again. Yeah, Once saved, always saved doesn't hold key even to the culture because you, the adopted son can still walk off. And, 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 and the father can't force him to take inheritance. He wasn't adopted to begin with, was he? The, the ten virgins were all virgins. There were five wise and five foolish. What was the difference? Five wise, five. Why was five wise? Huh? They took oil with them. They were prepared. Why were the five foolish foolish? They weren't prepared. What happened when... when uh, uh, the lamps went out and they had no oil. And then when the master came, what happened? They started going out looking for it. And what happened? They were all virgins. The door was shut and they didn't get to enter. They were all virgins. Do you understand something? You can be in the church... But if you don't keep your lamp lit and you're all full, when Jesus comes, you'll be out looking for it and everybody else will be gone. Jesus is making some points here. There's no, there's, so the, the one saved, always saved thing is, there's a lot more I could say, but we're, 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 we're 8 o'clock. So I'm going to stop here. Just, just, just understand there are many, 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 many more scriptures. We've just touched a few tonight that tell us that the one saved, always saved is not, and it's a dangerous, dangerous doctrine. Because it may, I believed as a kid when I was doing the things I was doing that I was saved. I truly believe that. That if, if I was stealing a car and got shot in the head, I'd go to heaven. If I was doing drugs or selling them or whatever, and I, I was going to heaven. You've been hearing more about that lately, too. Everybody, whenever they die, it's like, well, they're up there now and looking down, and they're just having a big party up there. Yeah. Like, Nobody's up where looking nowhere. I mean, it's, that's another old story, but... Two quick little questions. So, okay. Um, so, Satan worship. So, the guy who go, has been in it but has never been in Christianity or anything, there's hope for him. Correct. The guy who's been a Christian, you know, and falls back, 
and say become Satan worshiper and blasphemes, there's no hope for him. Correct. Okay. Question two. Uh, so, and this is more of a technical question, the ED ending, and I don't know if you've just studied that per word, does that hold fast across the language or? Yeah. Yeah, it, because it goes back. If you actually, if you go, if you go back from the Greek, and let's go backwards, go back to the to the, Chal, the Chaldean and the and the Hebrew, it's the same. It's it's the first things. It's the same. Uh, that word sa- that saved and saved doesn't show up just in the New Testament. It, it's back in the Old Testament. So like our language is always past tense, but right. Those it's always future. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what do you do with Romans ten nine? Say it. Read it. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, I, I can explain that. If you read the first part of that chapter, you will find out that Paul is, is actually praying for the Jewish Christians in Rome. It's a prayer. And, he's spe- and, and, and if you read it, read the chapter when you get home. And what he's telling them is this. Listen, you guys are Hebrews, you're Jews. So in order for you... To be saved, which is a future tense, look at the word saved, you're going to have to denounce Mosaic law, denounce all the old law. You're going to have to confess with your mouth Jesus is Christ. See, that was the problem. When it says they didn't receive Jesus, a lot of people, well, they didn't receive him into their heart. It doesn't mean that at all. When Jesus came, they, didn't, they may have received somebody else's Messiah. Oh, yes, you're the Messiah. They didn't receive him as the Messiah. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. That's what that word received means. And Romans 10 is the same thing. He, he's saying, listen, my prayer for you guys is you understand this, that you have to get away from the, the old Mosaic law, and in order to do that, you have to publicly confess with your mouth that Jesus, that's the only way you're going to be saved. You're ne- you're not gonna, if you, you can't hide it. You can't, because he comes back later in, in, in Hebrews and writes to the Hebrews in general, and he said, listen, I gave you the gospel. You got it. I come back. And you're, now you're doing the law again. What, what's wrong with you guys? Now we're back to milk. Let me start all over. And the Scripture actually tells us we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to go back to milk having been given meat. We're never, the Scripture says we're not supposed to go back to milk. If we do, you, there's, there's a bigger problem here than understanding the Word. Many, many say, and I'll, let me tag to that, say that that's what baptism is. It's the same thing. It's a public confession that I'm following Christ. Well, number one, show me the, show me the Scripture, and I'll believe it. It's just not there. Walking the aisle, show me the Scripture. It's not there. Public confession is in there, confessing him publicly. But no one told Peter, look, dude, you, you can't go. You got a public He just did it. See, that's the thing about being a Christian. You're going to do it. You're just going to naturally do it. And that's why Paul was telling them, listen, this is how, this is how people will know. You're going to publicly confess that he is the Messiah. You're telling all your Jew buddies, I'm done with that. He's here. And that's going to create rift. But there's a lot we've done in the westernized church. Coming and signing a card. Coming and making a profession of faith. 
what is a profession of faith? I have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith without works is dead. You can't profess faith. You have to live faith. If there's no living faith, there's no faith. Faith is not a thing you speak. It's a thing you do. And so these are these things that we put together in the Westernized church to make us feel good about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. If a person comes down and says, Lord, I'm sorry, they're not, they're not, that's not repentance. That, that's an apology. Lord, I'm sorry is an apology. Repentance is, Lord, I'm sorry. Now, here's their faith in it. I'm walking away from it. That's the faith part. So I'm going way too. I'm sorry. We will continue this next week. There's more to it. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.